You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on up the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it The King, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. It's finally here. Opening day. Opening day is here. Happy opening day. As the Mariners get set to take on the Houston Astros as the 2017 season is upon us. Mariners and Astros tonight. 5'10 first pitch from Houston as the King, Felix Hernandez, will take the mound for the 10th time for the Mariners on opening day. I'm so happy. It is the best day of the year, and it's not even close. Opening day of baseball is the very best. Should be a holiday. It's not, but, you know, it should be. It starts today. Podcast 2, we're daily now, starting today. Until, I guess we'll call it, what, November? From now until November. So, here we go. Starts today. Aaron Goldsmith is going to be with us in a few minutes. We're going to preview the Mariners, uh, talk about random stuff. So, that comes up in a few minutes. We'll also hear from the skipper coming up as well. Scott Service, get his thoughts on the season. So, there's going to be an Astros preview in this one as well, but the podcast got a little long. So Robert Ford will join us tomorrow on the podcast to talk about the Astros. And the Mariners, of course, will be very familiar with the Astros. The first four games in Houston, then the Mariners hit the road and take on the Angels over the weekend for three, and then back home for the home opener next Monday, and three more against Houston and then three more against the Texas Rangers after that. So a lot of the division to open up uh, the first couple weeks and the first month of the season, and a lot of Houston right out of the gate. So Robert Ford will give us uh, play-by-play man for the Astros. will give us a good look at Houston coming up in the podcast tomorrow. But Felix Hernandez taking the mound on opening day. I'm going to talk some about this with Aaron in a few minutes, uh, but it's amazing when you think about Felix Hernandez taking the ball for the 10th time, to put it in perspective, it's just it's not something that has happened very often in baseball history. I started looking at pitchers who have taken the ball uh, double-digit or more times with one team, and the list is not long. It's probably not as long as you think. I'm talking about on opening day. So at least 10 starts on opening day for one team. And you look at the list, and it's a who's who, but it's not a long list. Warren Spahn did it with the Braves 10 times. Jack Morris with the Tigers 11 times. And this is dating back to 1913, so it kind of it hurts Walter Johnson. He did it 12 times. Uh, I have a feeling that he did it 
a few more times than that before 1913, but he did it 12 times for Washington. Seaver, 11 times for the Mets. Carlton, 14 times for the Phillies. Robin Roberts, 12 times for the Phillies. Marichal, 10 times for the Giants. Gibson with the Cardinals, 10 times. And now Felix, his 10th time taking the ball for the Mariners today. I think it's pretty impressive company. Has a chance to pitch the Mariners to a 1-0 start. It's interesting, too, with Dallas Keuchel taking the hill and a lot of questions surrounding Keuchel trying to come back to his Cy Young form. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup in game one of the season. And opening day is always incredible. So I thought we'd hear from the skipper, get his thoughts. He spoke yesterday getting ready for opening day. So here is the skipper, Scott Service, his thoughts before opening day. Scribner feels fine today. Uh, he's be good to go tomorrow. Shouldn't be an issue there at all. So it's good shape. Overton, is he still here or is he left? And when he goes, is it Oklahoma? What's the... Yeah, we're <laughs> maybe he's unpredictable. I know he knows that. Uh, so, you know, we're trying to make sure we've got everything covered um, if, when, you know, that does take place. So, um, you know, he certainly had a really good spring uh, here in the right to make our club. Um, but, you know, the babies do about this time. So, and we're keeping uh, close close watch on that. Is he still here, though? Uh, he is not with us here right now. Uh, but, you know, like I said, in constant communication with him, and, you know, we'll see see what happens. Oklahoma, I know it's where home is. He's close, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they inducing on a certain day? Uh, don't know all the details <laughs> on that uh, either. I think we're, you know, you've seen uh, Chase DeYoung is here. Uh, he's not on the roster. We're just covering ourselves just in case. In case uh, he's a guy with some length if you need it. Yes, time. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thought behind it. Scott, I'm curious for you to see Felix Hernandez, you know, all the work that he's put in in the spring and now get out in the ring game. Yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm anxious, anxious for him and, and for us. I know uh, he has. He's, he's worked his tail off this winter. Um, he's he's adjusted and, and kind of grass hold of the things that we've talked about, maybe him kind of changing in his style a little bit. It's still going to be Felix. He's still going to be a, a flamboyant and very competitive with great, great stuff. So but trying to know how he sequences his pitches, how he's going after lineups. Hopefully a little bit different and a little bit different result than he had last year. Like where you are right now, heading into the season, do you accomplish what you want to do? I, I do. I like where we're at. I mean, we're not 100%, 100% healthy, yeah. with the with the smiley setback. But uh, for the most part, we, we are in a good spot. I like, uh, you know, every manager is like, you know, you feel really good about some things. You, you know, you have some concerns in other areas. But I, I like our club. We liked it when we put it together this offseason. We... We saw a lot this spring, what we thought we were getting, just much more athletic in the outfield, uh, you know, more balanced throughout our lineup. Uh, you know, I, I like our bullpen. Uh, I know we got some guys down there that haven't you know, not really proven or have a long track record, but I like how they do it. You know, now the only way to get experience is to, to run them out there and see how they react. So there's a lot of positives. Do you view this, like some, some say, as a playoff or bus type season, or is that too much pressure? Oh, I mean, we want to have a good year. Yeah. Um, we're, we're certainly uh, – we're due – yeah. Um, and, and I think the, that was the thought process in putting the team together. I know it's my thought process driving into the ballpark every day is, you know, what do we need to do to continue to take the next steps and, and, and get there? Uh, I will be disappointed if we do not. And I, I think uh, pressure is a privilege. Uh, you put pressure on yourself if you're not prepared. And we're prepared. We're ready to go. We've got a good club. We'll see what happens. It's not going to be easy. We have a very tough division. see the late innings in the bullpen. You kind of have guys lined up there yet yeah, but I mean, I think when things go, you, you tend to ride their hot hand, and 
you know, uh, guys that you may not have penciled in right now get hot and they you know, pick, pitch a little bit later in the game. But uh, we do have uh, more flexibility this year with the left-handed depth we have down there uh, and guys that are used to coming in to get the lefties out. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll, we'll mix and match them and try to put them in good spots. In light of how tough the division is, do you see this first month as pretty key? Um, uh, they're all key. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, you want to get off to a good start. Um, you certainly, you know, and again, as much as many runs as we scored in spring training, you don't know what's going to happen when the regular season starts. As, as you know, as frustrating or rough as our pitching was, some days you could, you just, you don't know yeah. what's going to happen once it starts. The elements here are so different, but uh, um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think everybody in, in the league, the way the schedules are set up, you're playing in your, in your division in April, so you get a good feel right away where you're at. And, you know, I think we'll be fine. Your guys mentioned that they wanted to get off to a good start. I mean, I know, I know they had the meeting about it, but I've, even in talking to Robbie and Nelson, that's like priority one for them. You come out, play well, not just maybe win, but play well. Yeah, uh, and, you know, do all the little things well. Play well defensively, uh, you know, execute offensively. You know, you hopefully get our starting pitcher deep, starting pitching deep into games and, and put us in spots to win a lot of games. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a day at a time, it's a pitch at a time, inning at a time, and, and don't want to get ahead of ourselves, you know. You can't win the 95th game of the year on April 3rd. You can win the first game of the year on April 3rd. And you can win the second game of the year on April 4th. And that's that's it. You know, just focus on, on what you can control day to time. The Astros went out and made a lot of moves. Do you see them as one of the top contenders? Absolutely. Yeah. They got a really good team. They had a good team last year. Yeah. You know, the, the team down the street in Arlington is pretty good, too. Uh, you know, Anaheim's got a good team. Our division's very, very balanced. Um, it's going to be very tough. Their team is kind of giving you... Seattle probably even before you were here, the Astros. Athletically, you feel like you match up maybe a little better now? I, I do. Um, you know, we can do some more things on the base pass and, and defensively the upgrades we've made in the outfield. Um, you know, they are athletic throughout the field between Springer and Altuve, Correa. They've got them sprinkled all over <laughs> their, their their place. So hopefully we do match up better there. But uh, as much as, you know, it does come down to pitching. And I, I know um, I love our offense. I love how athletic we are. Hopefully that does help our pitching. But you kind of go as far as the, the guys on the mound will take you. Still playing the same lineup. As of right now, yeah. I like, I like the, no, I like the look of it the last few days of camp. Uh, I think uh, Gene Segura is swinging the bat very, very well. Um, you know, some people say they're putting a lot on Mitch Haniger. I think Mitch Haniger is ready to go be Mitch Haniger. Um, he had a great spring, and we're going to let him hopefully continue on the same path. So um, I like the top of the lineup. I think. Uh, you know, at, at the bottom where kind of the speed guys are right now, I think that's another interesting dynamic for us. And we need all those guys to contribute. We know what the middle of our lineup can do. They've been very consistent, and they've got a really good track record. It's the pieces around that are really going to make the difference for us. Are you thinking of Segura up top even against right-handers or just, just for the left? He had a couple hundred hits last year. He hits the ball more to right field than any other right-hand hitter in the league. Why not? You know, uh, he's a good hitter. And now we'll welcome in Aaron Goldsmith to break down the Mariners' Heading into the 2017 opener. It's finally here. Opening day is upon us, and there's no better way to spend opening day, to celebrate opening day, than connecting with Seattle Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith. Aaron, finally it's here. The best day of the year. It really is the best day of the year, except for the start of the postseason, which hopefully the Mariners will be a part of. Uh, But, yeah, this is, uh, man, we are happy to get out of Arizona. Houston has never looked so good (laughs) than it does right now. How come uh, opening day isn't a national holiday at this point? 
I don't mean, you know, I was thinking about that be. the other day. Wasn't it Ozzie Smith who was petitioning years a couple of years ago to make it an, uh, a national holiday? I mean, it, it, it essentially is. It would just mean that kids would be able to get out of school a lot easier than they currently are. Uh, so I guess it, it's really all just formalities at this point, probably. Right. I mean, there's plenty of people skipping school. There's plenty of people, especially these days, that are that go to work but end up just watching baseball all day long on <laughs> <laughs> on the MLB at bat app, which is you know, the thing to do if you have to go to work. I can't imagine going to work on opening day. It would just, it'd just be brutal. Uh, but I suppose if you're back in Seattle, uh, five ten Pacific time. So you can uh, maybe be just starting your commute and, yeah, and listening yeah. to us as we, uh, we get things going for first pitch, but man, we are pumped. We, we couldn't be more excited. Obviously I know the fan base is jacked up and ready to go for this season. A lot of good things at spring training, uh, which you can only read so much into, but, I mean, let's face it, you'd rather have good things than bad things, and it was almost all good for the Mariners in Arizona. So, man, I can't wait. I'm, I'm thrilled. Before we get to the good, I want to get to the one bad, because one, I always think. Oh, come on, Gary. I know, that I is know. so glass half empty. What, do you, what are we doing here on this hey, podcast? Hey, but the rest of it's going to be so positive. So, <laughs> my, the biggest goal, I think, for any team, whether it's, it's a young team trying to figure something, figure things out or a veteran team that's trying to win the World Series, I think the biggest goal or the number one goal for any team in spring training is to stay healthy. You just want to stay healthy and get everyone to the regular season. And for the most part, the Mariners had a really healthy spring training. Simmons, of course, dealing with his arm a little bit until we get to the very end and the smiley injury is just such a bummer right before the start of the season. Did you happen to hear the comments from Jerry the day that it was announced that he would be out as smiley that is would be out for as much time as he would be? I don't know if that made the rounds back home or if that only was circulated to us in Arizona, but Jerry was like, he was kind of snippy. I mean, I have not heard Jerry as uh, just upset, I guess, as, as I had in that little media scrum. And I guess what made him snippy was multiple times he said to the reporters, basically, please don't ask any more questions about this after today. We will update you as soon as we know. And, you know, Jerry is, I mean, I'm being honest here. I mean, he's one of the most likable guys mm-hmm. I've been around in this game. I mean, he immediately commands the room. He has a genuine personality. He's got this great blend of knowledge and humor, especially when he's talking about baseball. And so, he sounds a, a little uh, aggressive for the first time ever that I've heard to the reporters. And he was coming on the air with us that night. And he was supposed to be with us in the fourth inning, which is Rick's inning. And so we're all kind of talking before the game, Kevin, me, Rick, Flowers was in the booth. And I, and I kind of said, Hey, you know, guys, when, when Jerry comes in, I mean, I, we kind of have to talk about smiley, but do it in a way that, you know, doesn't make Jerry kind of upset. Right. Because we all heard what he said earlier today. Well, I'm saying this knowing all and well that it's the fourth inning. That's Rick's inning. I'm not going to have to worry about it. Well, who shows up in the bottom of the third and joins <laughs> us early but Jerry DePoto? <laughs> and so Jerry gets on air, and now I'm, I'm having to kind of quickly be like, oh, well, hey, you know, so Jerry, uh, Smiley gets injured, but you've already said everything you need to say about that. So we can, no news there. So we'll, we'll move on to positive things. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of the one uh, great cloud over camp, uh, obviously at the very end of things. And uh, I think 
Jerry's uh, in a better mood these days, but he was um, he clearly did not take that news well, as I'm sure neither did Scott Service or anybody else. Now, it's just a bummer because the expe- at least the expectations for me, and I think uh, everyone around the Mariners is he's going to do. I mean, he'll still obviously come back. Uh, well, I mean, we're talking about a few weeks, so he still has a chance to have a, a big impact. It's just they they made it, th- they almost made it to the very end without uh, any significant injuries, which is not an easy thing to do in spring training all the time but when you look at this Mariners team what are you most excited about boy that's a tough question there's a lot of things to be excited about I guess the thing that immediately comes to mind is just activity on the base paths and I don't just mean stealing bases to me that's going to be one of the things that I'm really curious to see how the Mariners incorporate the threat to steal or actually stealing with obviously all the big bats they have in the lineup and not wanting to, as we always say, take the bat out of somebody's hand, especially Cano, Cruz, Seager, those guys. Uh, I'm excited. I think we should we should keep a whiteboard tally, Gary, as to just how many fly balls find the grass yeah. in the outfield this year, uh, because I don't I don't think there's going to be many, especially in this first series and against the Astros. They've got an incredibly athletic outfield. The Mariners have one of the most athletic all of a sudden in the American League. Uh, but I'm just so excited to see how athleticism translates to wins this year for the Mariners, both defensively and on the base paths, going first to third, scoring from first base, obviously the steals we all like to see, uh, but how that helps to generate runs. Um, I'm, I can't wait for that because this is going to be, this is not just going to be a boom or bust strikeout or home run team. There's going to be, uh, um, they're going to put the offense in motion this year. And, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. No, I think you hit the nail on the head too, because it, it's not, I'm, I'm with you. It's not about the stolen base to me. It's about taking the extra base. It's about scoring from first to ball in the gap. You know, things like that. That's where I think the big difference is going to be with their speed. And, of course, the outfield defense. That is going to be so fun to watch, especially at home. And, you know, the second thing that comes to mind, too, Gary, is Felix. I mean, bottom line, yeah. uh, I think the national perspective and, tr- and, truthfully, even the local perspective on Felix. And I hope we can kind of set the record straight here. This is the official Mariners baseball podcast. It is official. After all. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, people, I feel like, you know, people in Seattle have been watching Felix for over a decade, and yet they still flip out about the radar gun and the velocity. And I would understand that if he was pumping in 85-mile-an-hour fastballs, but that's just not the case. I mean, to me, Felix, it has – not nearly as much to do with velocity as it has everything to do with command. Yes. I mean, that's the bottom line. No, because I mean, if Felix's fastball is 90 miles an hour, hey, newsflash, he can go seven innings with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and cough up two runs. I mean, he can. He's Felix. He can do that. It's just, is he walking guys or is he throwing strikes? And that's the bottom. All of his pitches move. He's got four pitches. They're all quality pitches. He can throw any of them almost any time that he wants. Can we make it known here? When he's throwing a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, if that's the case, and I would expect on Monday night, on opening night, in front of a sold-out Minute Maid Park, I feel like he's going to have a little more juice flowing. I won't be surprised at all if he's getting uh, what we saw in spring training, which was fastballs 91 and 92. And, my goodness, that's plenty fast enough for Felix. I'm – I'm excited, as I'm sure every Mariners fan is, to see Felix hopefully prove a lot of people wrong that he's not finished. Is he going to be a Cy Young uh, quality pitcher again? I don't know. Um, 
he certainly has a, a lot to prove from last year, and he's excited to do that. And I'm I'm pumped for this year, and it all starts Monday night. No, you, I think you hit the nail on the head because when you talk about Felix in 14, when he should have won the Cy Young Award, his average fastball is 92. So, you know, there's not that much separation between now and then. The difference is when you peel back the numbers is his walk rate has been up and he's given up more home runs, which points to what you're talking about. It's command because you, you dive into the numbers with the changeup and everything else. And he, they're still not squaring him up. I mean, they're not, the average on the changeup is still down I and mean, the curveball, everything else. I mean, he's still brutal to hit against. And when we talk to hitters, we hear that from their mouths as well. He's not in a fun at bat at this point. And I think, I think you're right. It's command. Dial in the command a little bit more, less walks, a few less home runs, and yeah, maybe not Cy. Young. I mean, look maybe at Rick. Look at Young, look really at the American good. League Cy Young Award winner last year, Rick Porcello. I mean, was his average fastball ninety two, probably ninety one, ninety two? I mean, you're telling me that Felix's changeup and his curveball uh, when they're on and when he's Felix with a comparable velocity fastball to Rick Porcello can't be a similar guy. I mean, Porcello was phenomenal last year without being Noah Syndergaard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, Felix has his stuff. He just has to throw strikes. It's it's plain and simple. He knows that. And we know that he came into this year with um, a pretty big chip on his shoulder, worked his tail off during the offseason. Uh, there's no blonde hair for Felix. There's no uh, you know goatee that is uh, dyed a different color this spring training. Uh, we don't even see this, the socks pulled up high. I mean, this is a um, this is a kind of a leaner, meaner Felix in a lot of ways, and a stronger Felix. And um, I I would bet on Felix just about any day, especially when he's got an axe to grind, and he certainly does this year. So, can I give you a Felix nugget? I've been doing a lot of Felix research with opening day. I think you'll like this. Let's hear it. Because he's taking his tenth opening day start for the Mariners which is pretty remarkable. So I, I tried to look back at pitchers who have taken uh, that many starts, 10 or more, for one team. And the list is remarkably short. And this goes back, I, I could only go back to 1913, so that's as far back as I went, 1913. <laughs> so here's the list of pitchers who have taken 10 or more starts with one team. Warren Spawn with the Braves. Now this is this is this is obviously we're obviously talking opening day starts. Opening day starts, yes. Opening day starts. Yeah. Okay. So War, Warren Spawn with the Braves, he had 10, six in a row was the most in a row. Jack Morris with the Tigers had 11 and all 11 were in a row. Walter Johnson but put a star next to this one cuz uh, he had 12 Although I suspect he had some more before 1913, but 12 is the number because <laughs> he pitched before that. It was just I couldn't I couldn't find the the opening days. So uh, Tom Seaver with the Mets, he had 11, 10 in a row at one point. Steve Carlton with the Phillies had 14 and 10 in a row. Wow. Robin Roberts had 12 with the Phillies, all 12 in a row. Juan Marichal with the Giants, 10 in a row. Bob Gibson with the Cardinals, or not 10 in a row, 10 total. Uh, Bob Gibson with the Cardinals, 10 total, 9 in a row. And then Felix is going to join that list. I mean, you look at the, you want to narrow the focus even more. If you look at the last 100 years of American League Baseball, Jack Morris is the only one to take more opening day starts with one team than Felix, which I think is pretty cool. 
That's amazing. Hopefully, you know, a side note, hopefully when it's all said and done for Felix, hopefully uh, Eric Bedard won't keep him oh. away from a record book of some kind when it comes to this. Every time I uh, that would that, really be, it's, it's really stands out when you look at Hernandez, 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 Bedard, Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that would, that would really be a shame. Uh, that would be a real bummer. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's uh, okay. I was talking about this the other day on the air, and hopefully this won't be repeat for some of our loyal listeners. Uh, think about this: Sonny Gray is missing opening day uh, as the A starter this year because of uh, a lat injury. Mm-hmm. Last year he missed opening day because of uh, food poisoning. Remember That's this? Right. It happened yes. like like the night before and they had to summon rich hill i think it was to be uh the opening day starter uh, which i guess is kind of shades of things to come for rich hill but um in any event i mean here i guess the point is you know when you when you list those numbers gary which are phenomenal and a hat tip on really good research as usual i mean it's really pretty fragile i guess is my point no uh anything from food poisoning to uh a tweaked whatever during spring training. I mean, things happen. And uh, as position players would say, especially to pitchers. So I guess it's pretty awesome that Felix is about to make his ninth in a row and his uh, 10th total because uh, look at Sonny Gray, man, a, a, a young man. And Sonny Gray is missing his last two for two kind of, you know, uh, obviously health-related reasons, but very separate reasons. And, Man, it just takes one whatever, and you miss opening day. Well, so yeah, especially uh, now. Pretty cool. Too. Yeah, there's a reason why I think Jack Morris is the most recent guy on the list as well, because these are numbers with one team. So we're talking about guys that have are with one team for that long to even make that a possibility, which it's a lot different now than it was back in the day, which is pretty phenomenal as well. I mean, there's so much goes into it, which makes it, I think, just remarkable. It's uh, it's it's an amazing accomplishment, and I think that kind of dovetails to you know, uh, Corey Seager missed so much of spring training because of injury, and I was talking about this the other day. I mean, like, let's not take for granted Kyle Seager mm-hmm. and Robinson Cano and uh, Nelson Cruz too. Granted, in a DH role primarily, but for these guys who not only put up the numbers but are out there every day. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a pretty special thing that, you know, you know, if, if I'm a, if I'm a father of four or a father of three and I'm bringing my whole family out to the ballpark or heck, even if I'm just bringing one kid out there and I got the whole crew that wants to come see Kyle Seager and Robinson Cano play, wouldn't it be kind of a bummer if it's like, oh, well, Seager's not playing today. Cano's not playing today. No, guess what? Those guys are out there every day. <laughs> they really are. Uh, so uh, you know, you get your bang for your buck when you come out to Safeco Field. Those guys are always going to be in the lineup. And if they're not, uh, they're probably in the ER someplace uh, because that's just the, the type of ball players that they happen to be. So I think this is going to be a fun opening series with the Houston Astros who, I mean, you look at predictions around and there's a lot of love going to the Astros for good reason. That is a really young, talented core. I think they have a lot of questions with the rotation, but McHugh not pitching in the first series, which is going to be good for the M. So what do you think of this matchup, Mariners and Astros, to get things going? Well, I think this is the – 
I think it's uh, very appropriate because I think how the Mariners start the season, it could very well be how they end the season in terms of who they're looking at to win the division. Mm. Uh, I think the Rangers, you cannot count the Rangers out. That's such a talented roster. Uh, but I think they greatly overachieved last year uh, in, a, in a number of different ways. And I think in terms of the two most talented rosters in the division, I think it's the Mariners and the Astros. And that's not knocking the Rangers. They're right there with them. But I, if I had to choose two, I would say Houston and Seattle. And uh, the amount of athletic now on both those teams is a ton of fun. To me, the Astros are, are uh, until this year, have been the most entertaining team to watch in the division simply because of the, the athletes and the talent, especially the young talent. And now they've augmented that with Reddick, with Beltron, with McCann behind home plate. Um, and they have a similar question and, and with their aces, Dallas Keuchel, as the Mariners trying to see Felix bounce back. I think this is a such a captivating series and really more than just one series, seven of the first 10 games come against the Astros. And I, we know this so well, Gary uh, games that get played in April. It's in September. When you look back in the calendar and go, Oh yeah, man, that one game. So uh, do not take uh, these early games lightly, especially against a division opponent like Houston, who can very well be contending with the Mariners uh, to the final bell. Well, yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, that's what the Astros are saying. That's for sure. I mean, remember what what was their what was their April last year? I can't remember what their record was off. Well, last year, last year, it was last year. It was was more than just their April. Uh, Their whole first half was was brutal. But think about Think about two years ago, uh, the April that the Rangers had to climb out of. Right. Right. I mean, they went, I think it was like 7-21, and 21, uh, Bannister's first year. And uh, it had like the worst hitting month in like the history of the franchise, or at least the worst hitting April ever. Um, and they had to really put on the, put on the gas uh, late in the season. And I think for, for the, for the Mariners and the Astros, this is a, a uh, a series or a matchup all season long, which will pit uh, two terrific outfields, two of the best second basemen in the major leagues, mm-hmm. uh, two Cy Young Award winners to anchor uh, the rotations. And I think uh, right now, I mean, you look at the bullpen, uh, I think I give that edge to the Mariners right now. And I think I give the edge to the, to the Mariners in the rotation overall as well. Um, so, I, man, I, I really think that this is uh, – even though the West, interested in your thoughts here, Gary, even though the West could be the most competitive division in baseball this year, certainly in the American League, but maybe even in the majors altogether, man, at least the way that things look right now, uh, and as you mentioned earlier, with your with your typical glass half empty approach on things, Gary, <laughs> right? Um, the uh, you know health, you're you know always uh, holding on for that, man. I'm, I really like the way this lineup is constructed. It reminds me of, yeah. remember when the A's were winning division championships and there was like, there wasn't a weak spot in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't have nearly the star power that the Mariners have in terms of Cano and Cruz and Seager. Um, I think one through nine, man, there aren't many holes in this lineup. And I feel, I feel pretty solid about the rotation. I feel good about the bullpen too. Uh, this is. Oh, by the way, the Astros April seven and 17 last year. Which and they never obviously were really able to recover from right. it. Um, like they just kept. I, I remember, you know, they're coming off the wild card the year before, and they just kind of kept waiting for things to kick into gear, and it never really happened for them. 
um, for whatever reason. Yeah. But 7 and 17, that's a brutal April for yeah. sure. All right. So I think we're ready. I think we did it. I'm ready, G-Man. I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, we'll, I think, we'll, we, you know, off day yesterday, scorebook got completely filled out. You know, nice today, day. just uh-huh. put your feet up, relax, enjoy some Houston humidity. <laughs> get, get to the ballpark, uh, you know, 8.30 in the morning, hang out all day long, and uh, and then call a 7 o'clock game. So I think that's I think that's the day with a couple of that'd – be, that'd be a terrible day, actually. Uh, I think we're going to enjoy – yesterday and have a nice day off today, 3 o'clock arrival. Here's Scott Talk, game face on, fist bumps with Riz and Kremen. Mm-hmm. Let it eat. Let's go get it. Sounds good. We'll be listening. I was good talking to you, man. One and two, the count on White. Here's the stretch by Schooler. And the one-two pitch on the way. Check swing slider. Strike three called, and the ball game is over. Mike Schooler strikes out Devon White with a slider on the inside corner. White looking, and that's the ball game. The Mariners win it. A final score of seven to four here on opening night in Anaheim Stadium. See you later! Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from sky skyrocketing storage costs, and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.